And as I got older and I started to really jump more into politics, I mean, you've got the you got the conservatives that think that we're a bunch of drugged up open borders anarchists that want like, you know, Mad Max's utopia where, where we're like performing abortions in front of Planned Parenthood clinics while officiating gay weddings, smoking reefer. And then you have, you know, the progressives, the commies who think that, you know, we just want to stick kids back in coal mines and, uh, you know, basically turn into that film Minority Report or Idiocracy. Like, you know, right, you, right. you can't win on the left or the right. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. It's blast off with Johnny Rocket, and guess what, guys? I am here with the Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Hi, guys. Raylene, <laughs> how are you? Episode two. We're in the house. Yes, we're we're all together, family. People for the first time. For liberty. That's right. Yeah. We're together again for the first time, right? Yeah, it's a great day. It is. Okay, so you're like, okay, so today you're like, you're out in a booth out in Kitsap County for the Libertarian Party, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you've been like hustling all day, right? Yes, yes. How was your day with doing that? Okay, you guys, I love education and outreach. It is my jam. I love to meet people. I love to talk about liberty and self-ownership. And, and you know, I can actually spread some very radical ideas with very mainstream people. And if you choose your words carefully, you can get them to agree to practically a totality of voluntarism. It is just so cool. Um, and I made some really good about, connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the words you use. You know, like, you guys think we uh, spend too much money on taxes. Of course, everyone's going right. to say, yeah. Do you think we're the government's inefficient at spending money? Well, yeah. Well, those are leading questions, but yes, but most people always say yes to those questions. Yeah. So do you think you need more liberty in your life? Do you think you're not free enough? (laughs) Of course I'm not free. Well, you should join the Libertarian Party of Washington. This is what we have to offer, right, Raylene? Is this what you do? You like come out there and you'd be like, this is the problem and this is the solution. And it's really peaceful. So- I do try to figure out what they think the problems are, and then I go from there, and and almost always government's behind them. So it's very easy job for me because the government sucks. So they, well, they the do state suck. itself. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it was really fun. Um, I met some really cool people. I met some crazy weirdos. They're always the ones that come and talk to you also. So you have always a really great right. bag yeah. of mixed nuts. It's really fun <laughs> to get out there. So you met a couple of cashews? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a couple of peanuts, you had a couple of cashews, and then you had a couple of macadamia nuts, right? Yeah. And I get to, yeah, it's, it's fun. And, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't into politics, but they are into the ideas that I'm talking about. And so um, the only way to get through to them, to even get them to pay attention to these things, is not through internet debating. It's through personal one on one moments where we can show them that liberty is for everyone, it's the great equalizer. So, yeah. You know, it's cool, though. So we have Mark Kibler and Mark is also one of the contributors on Blastoff. He actually is on Team Blastoff. And did he relieve you so you could be here on the show tonight? First of all, Mark is my brother. I, I love, love that, that motherfucker. Man. Yeah, I love I that do man. too. Yeah, um, I love that he, guy. He's wonderful. And he came in so I could come home and get my kids into bed and, and do this. So it's pretty cool. What a fucking good American right there. That guy is awesome. Oh, oh, that guy is really great. 
edit. That guy is really great. So just so everyone knows, I think we made kind of a vote on this that I think we're going to make the blast off a clean show. And then we can do whatever the hell we want on the after party and the all-nighter. So that would just encourage people to go to the patreon.com forward slash blast off podcast. And uh, if you want to hear us swear, then you can go to that and check out blast or the blast off show and the additional content that we provide to all of our subscribers who generously donate a dollar or more to each episode. So if you just donate $1, you get to hear Raylene and I and our guests swear. <laughs> so Raylene, anyway, so this is the, this is the second episode of blast off with Johnny rocket and uh, our our guest now, Raylene, are you ready to bring our guest out? I am so, so excited to just pick his brain and listen to him talk. His voice is like melted butter. All right, here we go. Remzo W. Martinez is a journalist and a libertarian commentator. Remzo is a graduate of the Marion Military Institute and earned his bachelor's degree in U.S. government politics and policy from Liberty University. Through his efforts, he has been a recipient of the Being Libertarian's 2017 Jefferson Liberty Award and his podcast, the Remzo Republic was a 2017 podcast awards nominee for best in news and politics. His articles have been published at FreedomWorks, the Media Research Center, The Blaze, and numerous other outlets. And he was also the one who transcribed the comic book to the radio drama for Liberty Force. I welcome here on the Blast Off Show. Give it up for Remzo W. Martinez. Remzo. Ramzo, how the fuck are you, brother? <laughs> I just totally screwed up my rules. I screwed it up. Nah, nah, I can't do so it. Good, I can't it's do it. It's all good. Let's just do it right. Let's just move on. Yeah. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely great. Thanks for having me on Blast Off with Johnny Rocky. I still need to get used to the new name, but, you know, it's going to become a good cornerstone in the history of freedom very soon, I could tell. It is. Thank you again. Thank you again. So, Remzo, I mean, dude, we've been buddies for about, what, two, three years now? Three years. I think it's been three years, man. And it's you've been just a big contributor to the Johnny Rocket Launchpad in the past. And you've contributed ad space to the Liberty Force comic book. Been on your show numerous times. You've been on the old show numerous times. And now you're here on Blast Off episode two. I mean, it's such an honor to have you back, man. And I, I know you're doing some good stuff. So tell us what's going on with Remzo. Is the the Remzo Republic gone now? What's the deal? Oh, it's, uh, well, you know, I never say anything is dead because I tend to change my mind 20 million different ways to Sunday. But let's just say the Remzo Republic is in the garage. And when I need to bring it back out again, yeah, it'll be bigger and badder than ever. But for now, I need to focus on other things like my recent book, Stay Away from the Libertarian. Well, I was going to tell you about, I was going to ask you about that, but now you beat oh, me to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, but, but, but let me just tell you, man, like, honestly, if anyone ever thinks they want to write a book, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that bullshit, just, right? Just, just don't. Like, it's like a mental disorder. Like, honestly, wanting to write, if you want to write a book, don't do it. If you're already writing without reason, you're just going to end up writing a book. And that's how I've been for years. I just, you know, I, right. I journaled, I wrote, I would do like random letters to the editor. I would write, you know, entire papers on stuff and then just completely set them on fire. So the book took me about a year to write, uh, went through like 
you know, 12 different drafts of it. So by the time I really kind of fleshed it out, I was like, holy crap, like I can actually put this in the actual book. So then the pressure came. Oh, no, now I need to treat this like an actual book. And then this is how everything kind of happened. So it's been like a giant, giant task for about a year. And, you know, in order to make this the best thing it possibly could be, had to focus on this. That meant, you know, let other things come to a nice gliding smooth end and do what I need to do. And that was get this book out because I think it's something good for the times. And, you know, as a as a reviewer for Students for Liberty said, it's a libertarian coming of age story. I never anticipate it to be that way. But, you know, if people are going to laugh and learn, they might as well do it at my expense. So I had to give it justice. Remzo, really quick. I mean, I have to say thank you very much. I have not read the whole book. I know that you had sent it to me. And but I do have to thank you because I did see my name in it. And I want to say thank you very much for the nice words that you had mentioned my name. And I really appreciate it. Oh, that's all good, Johnny. I'm just happy you can read. <laughs> I haven't read the whole damn thing, though. I mean, I know there's some some you cool just shit. get to the part with your name in it. Yeah. Like, I recognize this. The rest must be good. I'll take that. It's a good book because my name's in it. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, dude, it was fucking honored. I was honored to have my name in that book, man. That's cool. Why did you have to put Mark Claire ahead of me, though? It said Mark Claire and Johnny Rocket. You know. Why, why can't it be Johnny Rocket and then Mark Claire? Well, you're the dessert. Relax. It's a wonderful thing. Is that the main course and Mark was the appetizer? What's the deal? <laughs> you know, you're thinking way too much into it. And no, besides, I think you, about shit like this because it's important. All right. Like, listen, listen, you got to meet Mark in person at Workfest yeah. and you've seen that long flowing mane. That's the I main did. course. Yeah, I did. That's the main course. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm dessert. I was actually impressed by the mane. That was an impressive mane. It was a it beautiful, is. beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so when you can compete with that, by all means, I'll put you ahead of Mark. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Have you seen this man greased up? Let's be real right now. Hey, They're both I'm beautiful heads of hair. Yes. Beautiful heads of hair. Thanks, Raylene. See? Got team Raylene, huh? What's up, Remzo? Well, what do you need from me? <laughs> so stay away from Libertarians. Your new book, right? I love the cover. Right. Because you have a bunch of you have Aleppo on the cover, which I thought was hilarious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like who would put Aleppo on a fucking book cover? And it's great illustration, by the way. Who did that? Oh, some, you know, what I love about free markets. You can hire people to do stuff in third world countries, pay them in Bitcoin and get it like overnight. Whoever is in some type of like war torn country, but has access to a computer and was able to draw my cover. God bless you. That guy's awesome. Or girl. It could be a girl. I'm pretty sure it was a woman that did it, but you know, it's the internet. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Now with, with this book, I really kind of broke all boundaries. I spoke about a topic that no one in the mainstream publishing world wants to talk about. I self-published it myself, so I didn't have to ask for permission. You know, it, this book is like that, that Lawrence Reed book, I Pencil. It mm -hmm. took a whole bunch of people working together, not really knowing where all the pieces are going to go ahead and get a beautiful product together. And that was really this book. And, you know, if the cover, you know, the, the title itself, it took me longer to come up with the title than it did to actually come up with the premise of the book. And usually the title inspires the premise. It happened the other way around for me. So when I finally settled on, you know, stay away from the libertarians, I just had this like ringing in my head like it needed to be like an H.G. Wells, like stay away from the libertarians. Dun, 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 yeah, exactly. Like that. No, that's so the feeling like, I got from it. Yeah. Yeah, like I've, I've always been a giant and, you know, me, man, I, I'm a giant comic book sci fi. No. Man, so like, oh, no yeah, way. you know, I'm just I'm just I'm just laying it on the floor right now. So, you know, I wanted that 
to be the inspiration for the cover. So I had to throw in the Lepo, had to throw in the taxation is theft t-shirt. Yeah, that's great. So what is the book about? So you're basically saying that libertarians are misunderstood. You know, they're, they're misunderstood, beautiful, fabulous, furry freak brothers. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's essentially it. You know, growing up, uh, I was constantly told to stay away from these type of concepts, whether it was stay away from Ayn Rand or stay away from that Gary Johnson guy or stay away from all these other things. It was always these SOBs telling me, you know, what to stay away from. And as I got older and I started to really jump more into politics, I mean, you've got the you got the conservatives that think that we're a bunch of drugged up open borders anarchists that want like, you know, Mad Max's utopia where, where we're like performing abortions in front of Planned Parenthood clinics while officiating gay weddings, smoking reefer. And then you have, you know, the progressives, the commies who think that, you know, we just want to stick kids back in coal mines and, uh, you know, basically turn into that film Minority Report or Idiocracy. Like, you know, right, you, right. you can't win on the left or the right. And, you know, the thing is, and we all know this, and, you know, if you're listening to this show, obviously you get it more than others. But libertarians aren't like that. Libertarians are your friends. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. Sometimes they're the mailman. You just don't know. So who are these people? And, you know, the cover of the book, you know, the whole thing is tongue in cheek. But, you know, the, the libertarian is not the guy chasing you down and you know, like shooting lasers out of his eyes. It's just regular people that have to this radical conclusion that you should probably just do your own thing as long as you're not hurting people or taking their stuff. And it's that very radical, radical concept that is so simple for the rest of us. Right. Why, as the rest of, you know, the, the mainstream media, the establishment politicians, and the, you know, the, the lazy academics, why have they just completely thrown us under the bus? So that was the that's the whole premise of the book from there. Why are we told to stay away from the libertarians? I'm really loving the way this is playing out. I can't wait to read this book myself. I felt actually jealous when Johnny said he had the book and was already reading it. Um, I tried I'm to read sorry. it. I tried. I saw I saw my name in it. And that's the only thing I focused in on and honed in on. I'm like, that's it. That's Bam, don't need to read this. I'm don't actually need, embarrassed I, that I haven't read this and and haven't done more to support you, Ramso. And I will from this point forward, just to put that out there. Yeah, I have some questions for you about self-publishing. What do you think the future is right now that people are being able to do this now that, I mean, we even have Amazon. And I mean, what would you give for advice? What do you have to talk about concerning self-publishing and independence? Yeah. So, and, and this is a great question. So definitely cut me off if I go off on the tangent too much. Okay. But, that's enough. You know, Thanks. Like, <laughs> 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 so here's the thing. You can go ahead and Google, how do I get this done? How do I start a podcast? How do I write a book? How do I film a documentary? I, I've done all those things and I've been pretty successful at them. But there's one thing that people can't get off the internet. They can't learn it in a classroom. It's just this. It's a lesson that many people just don't get sometimes because they're not wired to think this way. It's this attitude of stop asking for permission. Yes. Don't don't expect a blessing from somebody else. People, when I started my podcast, I was, um, I was, gosh, I was a junior. Johnny, was I was I a junior or sophomore in college? Sof- sophomore. A, yeah. Yeah. I was a sophomore in college. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was like, you were green, you were green as fuck. Yeah. Like it was bad and no one wanted you know, like, you know, Mark and Johnny were like the only ones giving me advice, but you know, no one wanted to really subscribe to the show. No one really wanted to help me out. No one wants to buy ad space and everyone was kind of expecting me to fail. 
So I said, you know, if they're already expecting this, the most I could do is try and put my best into it and maybe I'll impress them. And, you know, then all the haters are suddenly, you know, loving, loving my shit. But, you know, that that was one thing. I, I turned a podcast, which was nothing. I had no name recognition except for some blogs I did. And I turned it into what got to, at one point, uh, number 25 on the news and politics list for the iTunes top charts for North America overnight. Nice. That was insane when that happened. And I completely freaked out. So then it felt like the, you know, the whole world just had a microscope above me and it was insane. And then I wanted to start getting into documentaries and I had no film experience. I had never filmed anything in my life. And all I had was a story, a camcorder, my phone and a good DSLR camera. And my brother, Ryan, who was the producer for the podcast, he knew how to work video software. So I was like, Ryan, you're the best editor I know because you're the only editor I know. I'm going to give you a lot of cash. Make this awesome. And next thing you know, it's mentioned in the Washington Post and thousands of people have watched it. Wow. The book, you know, I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I had this English teacher. He said, Remso, I could tell you really like writing, but, you know, you use all these big words that you misuse sometimes. Is English your first language? And I looked at him and I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm so happy you asked that because it's actually my only language. <laughs> <laughs> so they were assuming that you were like, Espanol. Oh, it, it was it was racial profile. Oh, hell yeah, dude. That's fucking <laughs> funny, though. It is kind of funny, though. It, it, it's so funny. And I wish I could go back to some of my English teachers because they would probably would have been like, Remso can write. So <laughs> could read because he never liked the books we gave him. <laughs> well, you read the cliff notes. That's who I think we had a conversation and me and you were talking. And you're like, I like the cliff notes of all these books, like the great Gatsby. I think you read all the, the cliff notes and uh, that's how you got through school, right? Wikipedia and Google yeah, got me yeah. through college. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with, with the book, it was just a giant learning experience for me. You know I mean, it took a year to write, then it took about four months to actually, you know, put together. And, you know, it was it was number 10 right. on uh, the Amazon bestsellers list for political humo, humor, uh, political humor. Uh, ben Shapiro endorsed it. Jennifer Grossman from the Atlas Society Alex Merced, Dallas Jenkins, who's the director of the Resurrection of Gavin Stone. I mean, so many great people have reviewed the book and helped me push it out. And it's it's insane because who who am I at the end of the day? I, I'm a guy that just was constantly told, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. And I ended up doing it. And now it's showing people that, you know, this stuff can happen. And honestly, I actually take it as a compliment when people look at me and they're like, well, if Remso can do this, anybody can do this. Because one, go to hell. Two, <laughs> of course you could do it. Yeah, that's but right. What was stopping you? Nobody was stopping you. That's the right. internet is the great equalizer. You stopped yourself. That's right. That's what. That's, that's, that's right. the thing, the man. There's, yeah, there's never a good time to do shit. There's never a perfect time. You just got to do it. Right. You you got to take it. You know, we don't have enough assertive people out there that feel responsible for themselves because they've been indoctrinated in the system that makes them ask permission. And our children are being given disservice by not being taught, if you want something, go out and get it. And I love the spirit of entrepreneurship and leadership that you have, Remzo. You're going to have, he's going to walk out of this interview with a big head, Raylene. Oh, well, oh, I'm sorry. You suck. He's going to be like, oh, fuck, I'm awesome. You know, I, I, great. Like, I like hearing compliments from somebody because usually when it's just from Johnny, it's like, Remzo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
Sorry, I just um, just like to learn from the best and, and talk to people that I respect. And so I have a question when you were talking about Cliff's Notes and reading books in school and how none of them were the books you wanted to read. What do you think about the public school system and what it's doing to our kids? And what would you do with your children um, regarding education? Oh, my gosh. I, I would never put them in public education. That's just, you know, that's just square root. I mean, <laughs> that's, that, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just the answer. Like I tried to think of something more sophisticated to say, but honestly, like the, the older I get, maybe my shame meter goes away, but I'm honestly of the opinion that public education is child abuse. Yes, just, it is. just, just absolutely. I mean, I was homeschooled, public schooled and private schooled off and on. So mm -hmm. I was constantly being tossed between having absolute freedom, having some freedom, and then being put in a public school. And what's actually funny is the guy that actually um, did the floor layouts and all the architectural stuff for my high school here in Virginia was actually the same guy that designed Leavenworth Penitentiary. So that should just say everything right there. But I mean, p parents need to understand, I mean, they're your children. The best person that's going to be able to teach them is you. It's definitely not going to be a whole bunch of bureaucrats that have a teaching license. And th there was one lesson I learned. It was probably like my first year in the army. I was uh, we were doing some type of like field exercise where we had to go and like cross a bridge. But it was, all, you know, you know, you know, what I'm talking about Johnny, where yeah. you had to get like one plank like of navigate wood an obstacle. Yeah. And figure the shit out. Of, yeah. It, it was one of those things. You know, I, I was the squad leader for that exercise and I was with about six other people and they, they all just kind of stared at it. And I just remember it because, you know, it was obviously it was early in the morning. It was in the middle of all this. We were hungry. We were tired. We were frustrated. And we're just staring at this. And I'm just I'm just messing around with the rope and the two planks of wood we have. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying. And, you know, I've got all these people there like, you don't know what you're doing. And I looked at them. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. But and you're it, giving it a fucking whirl, right? You're actually trying. Yeah. And, you know, I, I got frustrated. I threw the two planks of wood in front of them. And I said, okay, guys, do something. And they, and they all just stared. And this is what really kind of bugged me. But this was a great awakening moment for me. I, I call it the, scant, the Scantron generation. You have to choose between several answers just right in front of you. Critical thinking has been just completely removed from schools. And there are two subjects that I just really hate that people really try and emphasize in schools right now. It's social studies and literature. Um, social studies is not history. It's an interpretation of history. Mm -hmm. Literature just completely replaced rhetoric and English and uh, English comprehension, where it taught you how to actually state a case, support a case, and try and convince people to support your case. Right. We've just completely taken that out, and it goes from kindergarten through when we're telling them to, uh, you know, you're you're adults now, go out, pay taxes, get a job, get married, all that stuff. And then when people are like, "Well, I don't know what to do now," it's like, "Well, you know, go to college." So. You know, I know people that have, you know, very nice, cool sounding degrees, but, you know, they 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 just don't they're they're expecting the answers to just be there for them. And, you know, some of them are, you know, successful, well-functioning adults. But, you know, I, I always see people struggle. I, I see really smart people struggle with just basic things. Yeah. Because what we've done is we've coddled them. What we've done is we've said you don't have to think too hard. And then. You know, when people come out with an outlying opinion or an answer on something, people just freak out because they can't comprehend it. Right. If you want, if you don't want your kid to be a victim of the system, don't put them in the system. Well, what I've seen in college, Remzo, was that most people in our critical thinking, quote unquote, class, because we had a college 
course called Critical Thinking. And most of it was, if this problem arises, what is the solution? And 90%, 95% of the people in class would say there ought to be a law. <laughs> this is today's mentality. Yeah, like that's actually something I talk about in the book. Like, like honestly, I, part of me thinks you may have read it now. No, but- I, mean, I, I haven't. No, but this is like <laughs> what I've observed. Like, this is how people solve problems. There ought to be a law. Well, not only should there not have to be a law, our children are being raised in a system where they have to have permission to go to the bathroom, even if they're 17 or 18 years old. Yeah. So yeah. Well, like there's the that. The first four chapters of the book are, are actually like all about high school because high school was around the time back in like 2012, 2013 was when I really started kind of realizing all of this. And, uh, you know, there's a part where I'm talking about when I was uh, finally getting into more of my undergraduate courses, I was taking a class on the history and role of the executive branch of the government. So, you know, the, the president and all that jazz. And on the first day of class, our teacher said, OK, there's an obesity epidemic in the United States and you're all congressmen and you have to fix it. Right. So tell me, congressman, what do you have to do? And you have one guy that says, let's outlaw being fat. And I'm looking at him like, yeah. I'm sorry, I thought this was a conservative school. What the hell? Yeah. And then another guy says, oh, you know, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll make their Obamacare premiums go up. So now I have another Republican saying, oh, let's weaponize Obamacare to go after fat people. Wow. Wow. So then I, I raise my hand and I'm like, the whole thing is just a ruse. We have no role in trying to get people to be healthy or not. Right. Right. And right. He, he looked at me, he gave me a thumbs up and here I am, the token anarchist in the room, as they used to ca- call me. And I know Johnny's snickering when people call me that, of all things. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just looked around and I'm like, are you people freaking serious? Exactly. Yeah, no, but it, that's just, this is what it's about, man. I mean, people have gotten to the point where, you know, they're like, well, there's got to be a law against texting and driving. OK, well, if you hurt somebody, you hurt somebody. It doesn't matter how you did it. It's still manslaughter. If you run over somebody because you were texting or you ran over somebody because you weren't paying attention because you were looking at a stop sign or something and or another sign or something and you run them over, it's still manslaughter. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter why. It, it matters that it happened. The action and the consequences are what matter. That's not right. Not the reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's, it's the actual end result. If you run over somebody, it doesn't matter if you were texting. It didn't matter if you were smoking. It didn't matter if you were drinking and smoking and having a burger in your hand, which I'm really good at uh, while driving. But like double tasking, baby, that's it. Right. So what I'm saying is, though, it doesn't matter. It's the end result. If you run over somebody, that should be the crime. You hurt somebody. You should pay them restitution. And that should be it. Not to the state, but to that individual. Right. Because if you hurt somebody and you obviously take their life or limb, then you owe them something. Or their family something. So that's my point. Go ahead, Remzo. Respond no, to that. No, I mean, you, you just, I, I couldn't have said it better for that one. But, you know, it's just this really sad thing that we can't think of any solution without trying to think of the government. And what that's does right. the government distill to? It's always about force. It we is. We always got to force somebody to do something. That's right, man. I, uh, I, I've been causing some problems here in my neck of the woods because, you know, in Virginia, I had to pay a license for my dog because I bought my dog in Texas. So I have to pay like, you know, 10, 20 bucks every year to basically own my dog. And, you know, what are property taxes? It, you know, it's basically you have to pay to use your own stuff. And if you don't pay it, they're going to take it away from That's you. That's bullshit. So really yours to begin with. So I, I went ahead and I looked up the law. So I was like, what if I don't pay this license for my dog? Yeah, Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to come and take my dog. 
They're going to put it in the pound. At that point, I am I have just legally avoided all opportunities to ever get my dog back. So literally anyone but me can go back and adopt my dog. Uh-huh. After seven days, they will euthanize it. Wow. So it's like CPS. Yeah. I mean, so the government would rather. Well, yeah, except we're not killing the kids. Right. You know, CPS is making the kids kill themselves. Yeah. But. Wow. You know, that's true. what they're going to yeah. do is they're going to get some cops to go ahead and bust down my door. They can put me in cuffs or shoot me if I try and, you know, fight against them. Right. And then what they're going to do is they're going to pay to feed and house my dog for seven days. And then if the dog doesn't get adopted, they're going to act, actually use a, a doctor to kill my dog. So they've just wasted more money than the $10 they would have actually gotten from me. Isn't that always how it works? They always create jobs for themselves. They grow themselves and then they they create a need by having these laws. Then they steal more money. So they're like, we can't afford to do our jobs. And then everyone's like, oh, the poor puppies. And then they tax us more or have higher fees so they can euthanize your dog. It's ridiculous. And you look at that whole thing like it's not about revenue. It's not about anything but control. Yep. Yep. It just blows my mind. Like, I, I I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican. I've said this to everybody, and they all just kind of look at me, and it's like that red pill moment where, you know, you just snap your fingers like Thanos, and, like, the whole universe just opens up in front of you. <laughs> I like, know you use a comic crap. book reference eventually. Yeah. To. That and I just learned how to snap, so I need to throw in some snapping metaphors to show off. <laughs> Anyway, so this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Raylene, thank you so much. We're not done. And we're here with our guest, Remzo W. Martinez. Remzo, give us your dot-coms. We're not done with you yet. We have Rocket Fire coming up. Anyway, so give us your plug, sir. Find me everywhere at Remzo4VA. That's written out, F-O-R-V-A. And check out my website, rwmartinez.com. That's R's and Remso, W's and Whiskey, Martinez.com. Anyways, those blast off with Johnny Rocket. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Rock and roll. Hey there, Liberty lovers. This is Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty podcast, where we strive to bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out at lionsofliberty.com. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, it's Johnny Rock, and I just want to say that there is very few podcasts that I take the time to listen to every week. But with my limited time, I really want to listen to shows that really stick out. Please give a listen to Mark Claire on the Lines of Liberty. Every show he does is just badass. If you want to laugh your ass off, listen to Chris Spangle with the We Are Libertarians crew. And if you really want to dig deep into the philosophical and the principles of libertarianism, then I suggest you listen to Roger Paxton on the Lava Flow. All these shows are amazing. I personally think every show these guys produce is top notch. So again, listen to the Lines of Liberty. We are libertarians and the lava flow. You will not be disappointed. Oh, 
Johnny Rocket here at Blastoff, and I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Hi, guys. And I'm here with the incredible and talented Mr. Remzo W. Martinez. Yay! Yeah! Great to be back. Let's keep this going. There we go. Remzo, thank you so much. And what we do here, it's tradition. Well, it's new tradition because I've been doing it on the old show, Johnny Rocket Launchpad, and now we're doing it on Blast Off. It's called Rocket Fire! Yeah, you didn't kill it. Yeah, I didn't kill it. And so what we do here on Rocket Fire, sir, is I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Remzo, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? Shoot, do it. All right. Question one. Which one is more important, income inequality or income mobility income mobility income inequality is a lie you're always going to have inequality no matter what you do no matter what society it's always going to happen the free ability of people to move up and down the social ladder entirely depends on their actions without state force or coercion and that is ultimately what free people should be able to achieve right on man question two do you think natural rights exist regardless of people's birthplace do all individuals have natural rights and should they have the right to be hired across state borders without government interference um i'm gonna say yes and no i'm gonna say yes everyone has inherent natural rights because coming from a christian worldview we're all made in the image of our one creator and you know we all have the same inherent rights as any other individual i do believe that people should be able to move across borders to go ahead and uh utilize their labor where they see a visible market but at the same time i do think that it is respectful to societies and communities which are more than just mobile economies to go ahead and allow people to know who's coming and why they're there so that way they can go ahead and maintain a sense of order right on man question three do you believe in the non-aggression principle and could it be implemented today? I actually don't believe in the non-aggression principle because as David Nolan, who founded the Nolan chart and was one of the founders of the Libertarian Party, once said, it's kind of a gimmick. Uh, it comes on to the pretense of everyone knowing what aggression is. And, you know, it's not just I shoot you and you have the right to shoot me back. You know, people have used the non-aggression principle to justify setting their neighbor's house on fire because of noise pollution or light pollution. Or what if I hurt your feelings so that I aggress upon you? So I think what we need to understand is we need to understand a firm, uh, you know, definition of property rights, understanding what does actually infringe on the livelihood and protection of a person and what they own. And once we understand, a, you know, a solid footing of what property rights are and why they should be defended, we don't need the non-aggression principle. Right on, man. Question four. Why do you think we have a falling birth rate in the United States? What do you think has caused it? Doritos, Mountain Dew, and free porn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Porn? You're going to blame porn because you're a Christian. Uh, you might blame it. Well, I'm, I'm going to blame porn. And honestly, it's not it's not the porn's fault because I also threw in the Mountain Dew and the Doritos. It's the fact that, you know, you have a lot of people that just want to shrug responsibility. And, you know, you look at the millennial generation with the lowest falling birth rates. We're not getting married. We're not buying homes. I mean, Johnny, sorry to say it, but your generation kind of screwed us over. You know, we have thousands of dollars in debt. We just grew up our entire lives knowing a constant state of war. You know, you want to understand why most of our music is so nihilistic and makes grunge look happy. It's because people don't know what they want. Then you go ahead and you throw them in the status indoctrination system known as public education. And, you know, you, you expect them to go ahead and be productive, you know, good people with a sense of morality. And then when you get the result, you wonder why they suck. It's because, you know, I think a lot of millennials, despite their 
presuppositions to be lazy, ignorant people. They were kind of set up that way because someone had to raise them. So, you know, I think it's a whole societal collapse. Right on, man. Question five. People are afraid of robots taking their jobs. How could robots handling more labor intensive occupations create more wealth for people? Because it's less time you have to spend doing something that a robot could easily do. You can invest in your own intellectual capital as a person. You can learn a new skill, a new trade. It means that we don't have to waste time doing things that would have otherwise occupied us from doing something more productive. So just like, oh, will the Mexican take your job? Is that going to be a threat to you? Yeah, if you're so useless that a person with no skills and doesn't speak English is going to go ahead and take up something that you probably should have understood was going to get replaced by a robot eventually, you got to understand. You got constantly reinvest in yourself never play it safe and constantly move on right on man great answer question six what's worse unprincipled libertarians or radical anarchists <laughs> um I, I would actually, you know, people got mad at me because I, I kind of target anarchists a little bit in the book, but I'd probably say unprincipled libertarians because just like how Alexander Hamilton endorsed his uh, arch enemy, Thomas Jefferson over Aaron Burr, who was of the same party of Hamilton, I would rather stand with a radical anarchist versus an unprincipled libertarian because I know the, the anarchist intentions, whereas with the radical libertarian, I mean, they're just a few bad decisions away from turning into a statist. Right on, man. Great answer. Question seven. Why do you think there is a lack of diversity in the libertarian movement? And what do you suggest as a solution to the problem? What's my name, Johnny? Uh, Brenzo Goddamn Martinez. Yep. They're there. They're just quiet. Yeah, but you're like, you're the, you're my token Mexican friend, right? There isn't a lot of cultural differences, right? So what do we need to do as, as the liberty movement to get more people of different diverse backgrounds involved? Just just go ahead and stop looking for them because they're already there. They just need an opportunity. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, a beautiful female co-host who's a libertarian. You've got me right now. You're token Mexican friends. We're yeah, there. Man. You're, you're a token Mexican friend. Yes. That's that's all yeah. I ask for is just the token Mexican. So I can't I could say, like, I'm not racist. I know Remzo. I'm friends with him and I love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. So so you've got you've got j get out of jail free card. No, they're there. There's nothing we could do. Let's spontaneous order take place and when they see an opportunity <laughs> to come over, they'll go ahead and get things done. Right on, brother. Question eight. In a nutshell, what are the ways what are the ways of thinking for progressives, conservatives, and libertarians? And how are they different? Progressives and conservatives are really the same people. They just have a completely different outlook of the state. Conservatives fear the state for very historical reasons. When we go back and look at the founding of the United States, they saw what a foreign government can do when they tax too much, demand much more, and give too little. So I think conservatives understand that you know government can be dangerous, but there's still too many things such as societal pressures that go ahead and force more of the religious right to say, hey, you know what, we need to go ahead and, you know, beat Johnny over the head or else Johnny might be gay or something. Right. Uh, when I'm it comes not gay to the progressives, yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's Johnny with one N, not two N. Okay, good. So that's so the Joanna. Other yeah, yeah. Joanna. Yeah. So anyway, for the for the progressives, what they believe is they believe in a constantly evolving society. They see one thing they can't handle it. So what they need to do is for every nail they see, they want to beat it down with a hammer. And eventually, whether it's a big crack or a little crack, they're going to keep hammering away because they think that they could find utopia. But utopia is not real. And because of that, they just think that as long as you have the right person in charge of the hammer, it doesn't matter. So they constantly believe that you can just go ahead and erase problems. But what they don't understand is that the human condition is that we're all inherently flawed. So the progressives will never go ahead and reach their total 100 percent. Everything is a OK utopia. With libertarians, what we understand is that humans are inherently, 
you know, screwed up. But we also understand that because of that, government is just as more screwed up. In fact, it's more dangerous because it is the ability to go ahead and kill people and put them behind bars. Right. So libertarians want to progress as a society, much like the progressives, but they understand that you can't force it. And they want to go ahead and promote a just and moral and virtuous society. But they also understand that that's not the role of government. That's our job as individuals. So I'd say that we're more righteous than the conservatives and we're more progressive than the progressives. We understand that if you give people the option and you've got a good product, they'll go ahead and take it every single time. So those are the three fundamental worldviews of progressives, conservatives, and libertarians. Bam. Good answer, man. Great answer. Question nine. Do you agree with this quote? If goods don't cross borders, soldiers will by Frederick Bastiat. And if so, why? Absolutely, because history shows that constantly. When you don't allow people to go ahead and you know trade, buy crap, marry each other, have fun, build friendships, what's going to happen? That's how animosity, tensions, and you know bad feelings go ahead and spread out, and eventually that always leads to war. Right on, man. Question ten: Should a rich individual be able to support a rebellion that could threaten struggling countries? Why not? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Why not? If it's not him, it's somebody else. And, you know, what What if a whole bunch of poor people got together and they want to go ahead and overthrow the rich guy because, you know, you've got 50 to one. That's like democracy. Democracy, got, dude. You know, democracy. Like, 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 honestly, like it, it doesn't really matter who's doing what or why. If the intentions are bad, they're bad. If the intentions are good, they're good. So, you know, look past the aesthetics of the situation and how the people appear outwardly and look at what their intrinsic intentions are. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. Their, their actions will show their results, which will go ahead and show us what's actually going on every time, all the time. All right, brother. I got a bonus question for you. You ready for the bonus question, Remzo? Sling it. My token Mexican friend. <laughs> you ready? Which is worse, people immigrating from California to Texas and voting for bigger government and socialist policies or immigrants who come in and can't vote for Mexico? Bam! I have been saying that we need to go ahead and kick California out of the union since at least 2012. That place is so screwed beyond belief. And, you know, as the days go by, that film with Kurt Russell, Escape from L.A., looks more plausible each and every day. Right on. Anyways, that's Rocket Fire. Give it up for Renzo W. Martinez. Questions, great answers, great answers, my friend. Anyways, so it's Johnny Rocket. We're gonna be right back after this quick commercial break. So stick around, we'll be right back. Rock and roll. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. Three, two, one. Hey folks, I'm Remso W. Martinez, the host of the one, the only Remso Republic podcast. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking, to be exact. This is a pitch for another show. I already listened to too many. But hey, I've got news for you. Each and every Wednesday, you can escape the mindless entertainment and loud political pundits by escaping to the place which truly is the clash of punk rock and politics, the Remso Republic. From comedians to politicians to real-life superheroes and liberty activists, we don't stick to normal often as we hard charge each and every week to bring you the freshest entertainment and news in an ocean of shows fighting for your attention. We're on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and many more platforms. Don't miss out, join the fun, and be awesome. 
Stay up to date with the latest news and updates by visiting remzorepublic.com. off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Raylene, thank Hi. you so much for being here, and we're here with our awesome guest, Mr. Remzo W. Martinez, with his new book, Stay Away from Libertarians. Remzo, thank you so much for being here on the show, and I think we just played your ad for the Remzo Republic, and I don't even know if we should be playing that ad anymore, but... I'll go ahead and throw you something else for the book if you want to go ahead and be awesome and play that from now on. Sure. Absolutely. So we can play that next to the Remzo ad, this show. Right. We'll do it. So throw it, throw it this way, man. I got your back. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So Remzo, I had to say this because what your answer was earlier in one of the rocket fire questions was so different than a lot of things I hear from people. So many people come to me and tell me libertarians are just utopians who just believe everybody's great and that we don't need laws because of it. And we don't need regulations because everyone's so wonderful. And that's just not how people are. And it's it's what I hear a lot from people arguing with our philosophy. And I always take the other side and say, no, it's because I don't trust people. It's because I don't, I think people have the ability to do evil inside of them. Not, not always. It just, we all have the ability to. And because I trust no one, I want to give no one that power over me. And I really liked how you described that. And I felt a, like a kindred spirit to you in that moment. So thank you for the saying that in the way that you did, because I felt heard. She's like crying over here now. You made her cry, you fucking dick. I'd like <laughs> to consider myself as a political force gump of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> liberty, popcorn liberty, yep. liberty yep. scampy. <laughs> okay. No, um, so I was going to ask you about where you think the American libertarian movement is right now. Um, after Trump, with we th a lot of us thought this was our opportunity. We were really trying to make it. I mean, we did get out there. Our, our name is out there. We People know what libertarians are sort of now. Um, of course, they're being misled a lot about what it, what, that's what your book is about, actually, right? So um, where do you think our movement is going to go? What do you think we need to do to capitalize on us being a household name? Give me your thoughts. I, I think right now we're, we're in a little bit of a lost phase. You know, I, I'd probably equate it to a divorce so that way I can keep my metaphor a little bit coherent. But what we saw between, I want to say, 2010 and 2016 was a pretty beautiful marriage between us and more of the constitutional conservative right, so to speak. We saw a lot of conservatives jump over to the libertarian side of how they view government. And then we had a lot of libertarians understand the role that you know, civil institutions, civil society plays, such as congregations, churches, organizations, the family, you know, things to go ahead and you know, keep a functioning society together. And then what we had was we had 2016. And uh, I mean, that just completely threw everything under the boat. What it we did. had was What is had, Aleppo? What is Aleppo? That's what people remember about libertarianism. That, that's, that's, that's literally it. But, you know, what we, what we had was we had a giant breakup because, you know, you had a lot of conservatives that wanted, like, let's say, Austin Peterson, for example. 
And then you had a lot of libertarians that wanted Gary Johnson to go ahead and actually be a libertarian, but he was talking about increased funds to Planned Parenthood and expanding the EPA and starting war with North Korea. So what and you baking had cakes. and baking <laughs> cakes. So I mean, you had a lot of people that were just you know flipping out because you know we thought that we were all getting along, and then suddenly after 2016, what you had a lot of was you had as always a lot of hurt feelings. But these days, you know, you don't often hear about libertarians as often as you did maybe in 2016. Now, people say that we're in like a lull period, but you compare this to like, you know, 2013-ish, maybe even 2009, always after a general election cycle. Notice how both of those had Ron Paul running for president during both of them. But, you know, right now, what, we're, what we don't hear about is the libertarian movement within conservative circles. That was where we were making most of our headway. That's where we had the Mike Lees and the Rand Pauls and the Thomas Masseys and Justin Amashes. Now what are we hearing? We're hearing about this populist wave. So you have all these you know, uh, populist nationalists that are going ahead and they're making inroads and they're getting all over the TV and suddenly everyone wants to be a populist and stuff. So it seems like you know, they're now the, the hot new item in the room and no one really wants to hang out with us. So a lot of people see this as, oh my gosh, the liberty movement is dying. I just see this as a natural flow that happens with every type of subculture. What we don't know is what do we want and how are we going to go ahead and get there? You know, we have some people that say, oh, we need to go ahead and invest all of our ideas into a certain organization or to the Libertarian Party or to the Republican Party or towards one issue. So you have everyone that's trying to get full attention and full support for their, you know, one token item. But when that happens, nobody really gets anything done because we're too busy yelling at each other. That's right. So I think what we're missing is we're missing the fight. You know, in, in the book, I go ahead and I talk about you know, the origins of the Libertarian Party and, you know, why is it the Republican Party was able to succeed in so many things and the Libertarian Party wasn't. And it comes down to this. Uh, the Republican Party is unified in its hatred. And that's a really freaky thing to say to a lot of people. But honestly, like you have three coalitions within the Republican Party, for example, you have the free market libertarians, your Friedmanites, you have your social conservatives, your Buckley types, and then you have your your anti-communists who are now called the neocons and they're the alt-right, right. Well, I mean, not even the alt-right. They're they're more of like the John McCain's, the Lindsey Graham's. You know, right, they want right. to go ahead okay. and vote. They yeah. want to go ahead and promote democracy abroad, but their status at home and everything else. But you know, all of them are united in the one thing. What do they hate? They hate progressivism. They hate the Democrats. Libertarians don't hate enough things. And that could be a problem sometimes because what we want to do is we want to go ahead and look out for the one thing. And what's that? The beauty of liberty, the beauty of freedom. You know, sometimes, and you know, this got me into a lot of fights at Liberty University, sometimes hate is a good thing to bond over because you get a lot of crap done with that. War was not always fought over love. Most of the time it was fought over hatred. And what we see right now is we don't know where a big fight is. Um, for a while, our fight was, um, you know, the NSA. The, it was the Patriot Act. It was the Iraq War. It was tarp spending to bail out the banks. What are we fighting right now? A wall? Or are we fighting China? Are we fighting civil asset forfeiture? Like, what are we fighting over? Exactly. Wow. I mean, we're so we spread. Don't see is, yeah. yeah, like no one's hurting enough. You know, like, oh. And that's another thing. No one's hurting enough. No one's feeling the pain enough. No right. one is seeing the anguish enough because no one's really hurting right now. Because regardless of your opinions of Trump, things are better now than they've been for a very long time. And we don't know where the fight is. Maybe it's there, but maybe it's not. Remzo, really quick, though. Here's the thing. I mean, like I look at this and we've 
you know, Raylene and myself and a lot of friends of mine who are part of the movement, the libertarian movement, we've all discussed these ideas. And, you know, I think that no one is really going to vote libertarian. And the only way we can do that is to actually have people understand what libertarianism is. And, you know, and let's face it, libertarians are socially awkward creatures who don't know social gestures and how to talk to people and how to have an actual conversation with an average person down the road. Man, I'm I'm freaking fly. Speak for yourself. Not not you, God damn it. I'm talking about the, you know, like the fucking, imagine that guy in the basement guy. You know, that's who I'm talking about because there's a lot of those guys. This is what I'm saying. I think that we need to, if we have more people who understand about libertarianism, it's very common sense shit. But if you actually educate those people about libertarianism, then they'll vote that way. But until we get that message out there, I think we're, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle that will never win. You know, we, we're also not just being honest right now about the motivation, the selfish motivations of human beings. It's, it's the evil that's done is almost always out of selfishness. And when I, you guys, I had a, the booth today and I had um, amazing experiences. I, I talked to a lot of people, but there was a couple that I talked to. And they said, I used to call myself a libertarian, right? but I'm going to be collecting Social Security soon, and I don't want to lose my Medicaid or my Medicare. I'm not kidding. This was said to me. Sure. And this is the problem, is these baby boomers are start to realize that, oh, it's time to collect my stuff that I used to want to abolish. Right. <laughs> and, and now they're not going to vote because they don't want to lose their benefits. So the welfare state is enabling slavery sure. of human beings. And it I is. hate to say slavery in a way that discredits actual slavery as we know it in the history books. But yeah, you're right though. I mean, like you can't, if, if something's free, right? So those people are getting shit for free, right? Well, you can't they paid compete into with, it. Yeah. They yeah, paid but, into yeah. it, but they're going to get more out of it than they paid in. Let's face it. Right. So you can't compete with that shit. Like that's the thing. Like um, when you retire at 65 or 62, I don't know what age it is, but you get 65, social, 65 right? You get yeah. social security, right? You can't compete right. with that. Like, I mean, they're going to, people are going to take it regardless if they could be making a million dollars, but they're still going to take their social security. As we know, Ayn Rand took social security. Sure, sure uh, she Ayn did. Rand, for God's sake. I know. Yeah. She should be like, that. that's sickening. She's a rich bitch and she should have not taken social security. But I, this is what I'm saying. I mean, I'm just saying it's really hard to say no to money. And if it's yeah. free, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. it's human nature. Like, you know, and, and this is the struggles I have because I have a job that with a private institution, but there is a, a government counterpart to my job that makes three times as much. But my pride is stopping me from applying because I don't want to work for the state. I don't want to be part of the problem. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, Johnny, to kind of go back, I mean, I, I got, you know, rock rock the boat a little bit here, but I, I would disagree with you on one thing. I don't think it's necessarily understanding, you know, having them understand libertarianism more. It's more about them understanding, you know, what the real problem is, because you have to identify the problem before you can identify the solution. And there's one part in the book I talk about. It's a chapter called No Saints in the System. It's probably the most complex chapter I tried to kind of flesh out. But, you know, I talk about the difference between like, let's say, a Bernie Sanders and a Ron Paul type. And then, you know, I really use the examples of Rand Paul and Ted Cruz because, you know, they're more recognizable people. But, you know, Ted Cruz had 
you know, his, his slogan was the Washington cartel and Rand Paul's slogan was the Washington machine. Now you look at them and they basically sound exactly the same. But right. there was a reason why why Ted Cruz was able to catch on of so many more people than Rand Paul, because Rand Paul was raging against the whole institution. He was raging against the philosophy of government. That flew over a lot of people's heads, and they went over to Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz was touching on that slightly, but his biggest thing was, hey, guys, you see these guys over here? They want to go ahead and screw with you. So what we were looking at with Ted Cruz were the tangible things you could see. They were the the lobbyists. They were the bankers. They were right. uh, the politicians bailing out the Export-Import Bank. And then you have Rand Paul saying that, you know, oh, government is an institution of violence. And they're like, really? The people at the DMV are violent? Sure. Yeah, I get what you're what saying. What can they see versus what can't they see? And you know, you're right when you know the solution is libertarianism, but you know, people don't want to be told what the answer is. They'd rather bitch about what the problem is and then think that they came to the solution themselves. Good point. Good point. Right. But anyway, so this is blast off with Johnny Rocket and uh, Renzo. Thank you very much for being here. I hope you're going to stick around for the after party. Absolutely. All right, brother, and give us your dot coms. One last time. Go ahead and check out my website, rwmartinez.com. And if you want, go ahead and check out my new book, Stay Away from the Libertarians. Go ahead and find it in Kindle and print on Amazon today. It's Stay Away from the Libertarians. Don't you have a signed copy? And uh, can you offer a promo for listeners of Blast Off? Absolutely. Go ahead and use the promo code Johnny Rocket at checkout when you go ahead and go to rwmartinez.com slash book or just go to the website, click the book tab. When you go ahead, I'll have a section called specials. Go ahead and just send out the price there. You'll go ahead and save $5 on your book today when you use the code Johnny Rocket. It's going to be one word or two words. One word. Johnny Rocket. Oh, yeah. Johnny Rocket. I'm using that. I'm yeah. using it. She's going to use it. Johnny Rocket. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Well, hey, Remzo, thank you so much. And thank you very much for talking about your book. And anyways, though, this is episode two, and I'm here with my ray of truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart, here on the show. Raylene, <laughs> thank you so much for being the nice person on this interview, because I'm a dick. I know it. What? I love everybody in this interview. I love all of us. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, though, it's Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas here on Blast Off, Rock and Roll, and we'll see you next week. Good night.